Brazil puts one up. Chimil, go header. Go! I mean, he takes it on one foot and he slaps it home on the other one. He goes! Go! Sergio Santos! That is absolutely brilliant. Shot, go! Montero looking, he's going to take it south. What a goal! Is as pretty as Duke as you're going to see in any Olympian bag. The shot, goal by the captain, 2 1, Union. Here's Montero striking, goal, 6 1. They win this with an exclamation point. The Union are in first place in the Eastern Conference. Welcome to another episode of Views from the Bridge. Hey, I am Justin, and joining me tonight is my lovely co-hosts, Chuck and Paul. How are we, gentlemen? I'm back. You are back. You are back. I'm so glad you survived the flood of last week. Oh, Maryland I didn't. didn't just go underwater. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Chuck is recording well, actually, from a boat the, right the now. The flood from what? Because there was the floods in downtown Baltimore City, which I did survive, and then there was the floods of the Premier League returning, which actually made me sleep for this entire weekend, and it's why I didn't watch this game until today. I don't blame you. Chuck puts in so much work when it comes to Premier League time with fan tracks and all the fantasy Premier League needs you could possibly do. So I can only imagine that watching all of it from an arc you built that is out in the water right now, that's pretty good reception. You can be on this podcast is luckily fairly impressive. It's incredible. We we've come so far in technology. (laughs) This is is a good start to our podcast, man. If only Evan were here and could do a longer introduction. Uh, well, I guess I mean I guess before we start talking about, um, you're still first place Philadelphia Union. Um, Premier League started this weekend. Um, any major thoughts on the Premier League so far? Chuck, maybe we could start with you based on all your research. Um, my, I really, my biggest thing is, uh, Neil Mape looks as good as advertised and there's might be something to be excited about at Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something to keep them above the relegation line. Uh, I'm being a non-closeted Crystal Palace fan for the rest of the season because rooting for Chelsea this entire year is going to be excruciating. And I well, just you still don't had a really bad game to watch life. this weekend. Uh, it, was, it was just the worst, you know? And it's like you get so excited for that first game because you've, you've missed it all summer. And to just get utterly spanked by a Manchester United side that is not the better side than Chelsea... <laughs> It's just really, really tough. But I like watching soccer in general, so I'm going to watch all the games I can and just be happy it's back. Yeah, Still, yeah. go Crystal Palace. For sure. I mean... So, Justin, what you've been waiting for? Uh, Spurs <laughs> got a win! Um, no. I, I mean, uh, it, I, it was not a confidence-inspiring performance by Spurs. But are most Spurs wins? No, <laughs> they're exciting though. Like I those mean, are exciting games to watch. They're stressful but exciting. Yeah, I'd I mean, love some exciting. more comprehensive victories that you don't have to worry about. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about this season based off of that game, based on the fact that our best player came off the bench, so what, 75 minutes into the game. And we have two high-profile midfielder signings that we have not seen. And our other high-profile midfielder signing put the ball in the back of the net. So I ain't going to complain yet. Not yet. Not Emphasis yet. on yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, exactly. Emphasis on yet. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, fun weekend. Good, good to have soccer back on TV on Sunday mornings as well. But what we're here to talk about is a game that was on TV on Sunday night. You're, uh, I'm going to say it again, first place Philadelphia Union by three points and um, are keeping on rolling. Uh, beat the Houston Dynamo 2-1 to one on Sunday night. Uh, goals by Casper Shabilko, Jack Elliott, uh, courtesy of his face. I don't know. Uh, Christian Ramirez got the goal for the Dynamo. Guys, before I jump into anything specific, any high-level thoughts on this game? Well, (laughs) it was a little bit more stressful than it needed to be, uh, considering that Philly was controlling the game the entire first half, really. Houston got their chances. I think Ramirez's goal was the best of the entire night because Casper barely made it. That was a howler. Casper's goal was a howler, man. So what you mean uh, is Ramirez's right through, goal was the only one that was actually scored the way a goal should be scored? Yes. Yeah. I, that, that makes sense. Yeah, as a goalie, you usually don't let it hit all four of your limbs, and it still goes through your legs and into the back of the net. And people shouldn't score goals with their faces because it must really hurt afterwards. It's Do you okay. know how he made up for his off offsides goal call back? Yeah, like, but do you imagine how much composure you have to have to score a goal with your face and like look happy that you just scored a goal? I mean, your especially face is in shock, especially when it comes off your face, hits the bar, then you head it in, and then you can celebrate the goal. Um, isn't this why center backs are the hard men of soccer? Yes. True. True story. It makes sense, man. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> like, Jack Kelly does not look like someone who could take that beating, but he did. Yes. You're you're right. And that hair was still perfect at the end of the night for his oh, of you know, course. interview after the game. I don't know uh, how he does it, man. Lots of hair dry. Lots of lots of product. Lots of product. <laughs> um, um Go ahead, Chuck. For me, um, I think this was Marco Fabian's best game of the season. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. this is right around the time we need him to turn in those performances. Do you notice how the skepticism has been slowly fading away every week we've done the podcast since straight up calling him out and demanding that his salary be transferred to Jamiro Montero's? Like, now this becomes this becomes a long-term issue now. Because now Marco Fabian is showing you what he can do at good form and playing at the level he normally does. Because now it's an issue of, yeah, you're not just going to go ahead and not option that guy. He is, he's showing a lot. He's showing intensity. He's showing that he can go long into games if need be. He's creative. Shoot! He's testing the keeper, man. He's making the keeper stay on his toes all game long. 
And those chances, they'll wear you down. They really will. But you're right, Chuck. This is this is becoming a tough situation now. I mean, it's a good situation to have for Philadelphia, but Marco is now showing that he deserves a DP salary. Well, at this point, He's, it's just saying buy the third DP slot this offseason and get the proper deals done. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to. I mean, you have to. You have to figure out how to keep. I mean, I think that was my biggest piece of thought from this game is you have to figure out a way to keep both Montiero and Fabian and and keep both of them in the lineup. And I think that that sucks for a guy like Brendan Aronson, but I think that also means that Brendan Aronson can get the appropriate amount of minutes next year and not be playing 17 games in a row. Um, and so I think like that actually though it might take down his overall number of minutes, I think it improves his quality of minutes. Um, and then I think he can improve as a player a whole lot better. So, I mean, I think you got to find a way to keep both those guys. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, if it was possible to have staggered Fabian and Aronson between three and four game stretches throughout the season, you know, and maybe give Fabian 60, 60 or 65% of those minutes and Aronson and Fontana can rotate in and out there. That's making good use of your depth at midfield and getting the most out of those young players when they're called upon. Like you split the rest of that time Fabian starting and you either bring in Aronson or Fontana. If you're able to stagger that throughout a season, you keep Marco in form and you're getting these minutes for these young players. But we just weren't afforded that luxury this season with him being injured and suspended. So now you're kind of seeing what Jim can do with his midfield depth, and he's kind of nailing it. Because he's gotten the best out of Warren Crivall as well. Like, he had another pretty decent game, guys. He did, for sure. He also only needed to play 60. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50, 54, actually, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Actually, is this the first time that Jim Curtin has made multiple subs before the 60th minute? I it has to be, man. Because usually <laughs> I'll email. I'll email Ryan. Sixtieth, seventy fifth, eighty plus. Yes. And and Houston were so tired out that they were playing with ten men near the end of the game. Their guys kept going down. Yes, they were. Philly was wearing them down. It was uh, not certainly not comprehensive, but. Dude, three points, three points, man. I don't know what else. I don't know what else you want. I, I mean, I'm getting very happy being able to say multiple times this year the union weren't at their best, but got three points. Exactly, because you can't always be at your best. There's intangible elements that can prevent you from being able to execute at your highest level every single game. Those are the games you need to win to separate yourself from being a mediocre team and a good team. And right now, the Union are just a good freaking team. Yeah, I mean, I I look at this game and I I mean, and I sort of tweeted it at halftime, but I think like the first half felt like a lot of. Uh, I I mean. Sloppy giveaways, maybe, but it also felt like we were sort of just handing them possession and just sort of letting them possess the ball, which I think worked in our favor because we weren't chasing them a lot because they weren't doing 
Houston wasn't doing a whole lot with their possession, so we weren't chasing them all that much. And then in the second half, we were able to come out and just after a really early crazy scare, um, we were able to sort of come out and just sort of dominate the rest of that half. Um, and I actually ended up with a 53-46 split on possession. So, I mean, I feel like that almost to me after watching the whole game and not just tweeting that out at halftime seemed like maybe a tactical decision more than a Houston's playing better than we are decision. And it's funny because I think we all had the knee-jerk reaction of, why can't they be more aggressive at home? Like, why can't they just come at this Houston team and be up 2 or 3 nothing at halftime? And if you really do think about it, like you were saying, Justin, we had the fresher legs in the second half where we can bring on guys like Montero and El Sino, and then Fafa near the end as well, and you just run right at them, and they just can't handle it. You know, teams can't handle the speed and precision that this team can operate at when they have a healthy lineup. It's it's really good. It's it's objectively good. You know, you mm-hmm. watch a lot of soccer and you look at what this Philadelphia team is doing and you're you're just amazed that it's happening here in Philadelphia, <laughs> you know? It's like good yeah. it's really good to watch. And yeah, the giveaways it, it wasn't as prevalent in the early part of the season with all the giveaways and whatnot, but like I said, this didn't have to be the best game that they played for them to win, and they won. That's yeah. truly what it boils down to. Chuck, I thought also you said that this was Fabian's best game. I thought it was also Vooten's best game. I mean, I didn't think he played. I mean, he doesn't look. Yep. He still doesn't look like a world beater um, in any way, shape, or form. But there were just a couple of times that if he had gotten his foot on the ball or had a better strike or you know just one little thing had changed like he probably could have put two maybe two in the back of the net one thing that's interesting is that he and Shabilko definitely need to work together to figure out who should be taking up what space yeah because there were multiple points when a ball will be coming in Wooten's on the way, but Shabilko's just slightly faster to it, and Wooten realistically had the angle for it. But once they get that figured out, they're going to be pretty lethal together because they move a lot. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny now that I have the information of being in a, a locker room and a film session with Jim Curtin with that whole Union Media fantasy camp experience. And watching that the way that they operate as an offense when they build up out of the back, it's actually pretty scientific the way they go about it. That the rotations are happening depending on what side of the field it's on. And given certain situations, if one movement breaks down, then another one has to happen rapid fire so that a team pressing the union aren't able to get the ball. And those are coordinated movements that happen between the midfielders and the forwards. So when you're talking about a guy who's three, what is it, three or four games in to, you know, playing with this new team and figuring out those rotations, it's like figuring out a football playbook, man. You got so many plays and, you know, I like how Jim does it because it provides a safety net for anyone that's on the ball. Like anyone who's on the ball will always have at least two to three options to go to in 
that split time where a defender can close you out on the ball. And one, like I said, Vooten learns that they're operating at the highest level because Casper is showing that he can be a top-tier goal scorer in MLS, and we know Vooten has the capability to finish from anywhere if he's given the space. So it's just watching... It's watching a product reach its highest form because Fabian's on the rise. Montero's back from injury. And you've got two formidable strikers that are posing a really good partnership up top. Not to mention a supporting cast and a deep bench behind it with a good coach who's now has the freedom to adjust tactically on the fly. Phillies... Ah, uh, Philly's a good soccer <laughs> team. That's that's what I got out of that. Wait, I guess. what? I mean that 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 was already determined, Paul. I know, but it's <laughs> there's a little all, bit. Of... All the, this whole start was met with such skepticism. There's a little bit, of and now you're looking at where we at. You're looking at where we at in the season right now, and we're still in first place. Like we've. We're beating out Atlanta. Like, Atlanta's not passing us, and we're keeling over. You know what I mean? That's something that wasn't fully to be expected. We thought Atlanta was going to figure it out and get up to this point, but did we really think that the Union were going to sustain first place? Going into almost Labor Day. Like, we're almost there, man. That last stretch of the season is coming up. Still in first. And no other team besides Atlanta or your New York cities are really look like they're going to go on any run that's going to propel them up to the top and take over that spot. Philly's in a good place right now. Very good place. Philly's a good soccer team. I don't know (laughs) if I've made that clear. (laughs) I think you have. Okay. So just remind, just remind me if anyone ever forgets it again. I'll be quick to remind them on Twitter. (laughs) We talked a little bit about this, but two shots on goal and two (laughs) goals. Incredible Um, efficiency. Just exactly what Jim wrote up. I mean, I I guess I'll call Casper's a shot on goal because it was going on target to the keeper. Well, let's not do our boy dirty like that. Casper put a shot on target. No. Casper and it worked it, and it went shot. into the goal. Casper hits every shot with pace. Joe Willis fumbled that pace and it went into the goal. You're right. You're right. Would you would you consider it a hand pass into the net by Joe Ellis for the goal? Or rather was it Casper's shot? Well, I don't know who Joe Ellis is. So, I don't know Houston's goalkeeper. <laughs> he, he's irrelevant to me after he fumbled that. He's like, he's just the guy. He's the guy that fumbled the ball. I'd say Casper took the ball, greased it up with some butter, then shot it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, I mean, it had pace on it. It was like, I mean, sometimes it is hard for keepers to get down to that, like, central spot you know i mean not keep your legs wide open but i mean it's hard sometimes for keepers to get down to that specific spot uh i mean so i think it was a good i think it was a good shot um yeah i mean it's savable for sure but 
It's just out of all the Casper now, shots that are going to end up in the back of the net in that game, I don't anticipate it's going to be. No, 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 no. So does the off the post and then rebound just count for one shot on target? Because wouldn't yes, it be because three? Because the post tech- does not count as a shot on target. Really? That's interesting. Yep. I, I kind of feel like it's it, you're paint you're painting the lines I, of the target. I think target. it's pretty dumb in the rules of what's a shot on target, but hitting the post is its own separate stat. Don't we applaud someone for when they hit the post? It's like, dude, that you know what? That was really close, man. I'll tell you, uh, you didn't sail it over the net, but you hit the post, and the, you only applaud. You that show in intention training. in a game. You're like. Hey, you should have hit that one inch lower. I mean, I'm not. I guess, yeah. If you're I'm a perfectionist, still not sure Jack knew a whole lot about that shot. I don't think Jack was con- Jack was concussed when he scored when that Jack goal. Jack was forward that he actually knew what he was doing <laughs> um, until he just flailed a little bit and it and things until happened. the ball came off the bar and he's standing there with a wide open net and just has to put it in. I think he knew what he was doing there, but that was just about it. I was just about in, but that's okay because it's they all count the same. I well, what we can what we can <laughs> say is Jack Elliott knows how to shoot a ball better than Giazzi Zardes does, though. Oh, that was a oh, bad, bad yeah. miss. <laughs> oh, and somehow oh, Giazzi still makes Gold <laughs> and, Cup rosters. I mean, in uh, this in this oh, game, he knew first how to shoot name a ball on the team sheet. The it's true. That's true. Man, wow! Sorry, I had to take. I mean, I had to take a shot at Giazzi. Oh, no, it's okay. I don't, I don't blame I'm you. I'm always there for Gl- a shot at Giazzi. <sighs> How did he make the Gold Cup roster still? Nepotism. <laughs> and to think, Nepotism. Ernie Stewart's getting a promotion. Nepotism. Uh, any uh, before. <laughs> Before we talk yeah, about the stuff, what about you? Before we talk soccer. about the surrounding parts of this game, because there was some other stuff about this game we need to talk about other than the play on the field. Anything else about the play on the field? Kind of what happened during the game, what didn't happen during the game? Um, I mean, Casper grabbing the "Oh, Captain, My Captain" shirt was pretty cool. I have to say that was pretty. That was a pretty cool celebration. Yeah, I, it was certainly nice to see the team you know, rally around him even after the fact, and, you know, you kind of get, you know, that happens on the road, and it's the first game back at home. The Sons of Ben put up the banner that says, do something now, and he goes right over to them with Allie running behind and jumping on his back with the oh, captain, my captain. It's it's awesome, you know, because you know these fans just absolutely love it. They love to see it. Allie is definitely a man of the people. And to see their leading goal scorer jump in on the fun, that's that's chemistry building right there. You know, that's a locker room that's definitely together in its priorities and its play. It's definitely nice to see. Um, outside of Chicago next week, will the Union ever keep a clean sheet again? Mm, nope. No. Like, but that's Chris, okay because they're had a goal scoring team. People around him. Six. Did any of them uh, mm. even attempt to stop him? No, no but Harris Madunian was the closest one, and God, did he just take his sweet old time. Well, we already know at Rocking this point, if you're behind Harris Madunian, he's not trying to stop you. 
But he also had time before that ball was played as well. And he was standing still. Now, I'm telling you, you you accelerate to a light jog and you're within a couple feet where you feel like you can make the effort on the ball. And I'm even talking levels of you're the laziest person on earth. You're close enough where that ball's coming in and you see it coming at you. You could just put your leg out and be there. Just thank but goodness Harris he simply isn't on this did team to play defense. True. But he was almost there. You know, like he almost just had to, oh, uh, look, put my foot there. It's done. I mean, if, Monte- if, if Montero's in the game at that point, that goal doesn't happen. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You're right. But he wasn't. I'm going to say two things. I want to say, well, I'm going to say two things about the defense. So, one, before we chide the defense too much, uh, Ray Gatta saved the game for us in the 90th something minute uh, by blocking a shot that was going in the net if he didn't get to it. So, for all our Ray Gattis is the Golden Conceição of the week for 90% of the season, uh, we partially won this game because of Ray Gattis. He still earned us some points. You're right. You're right. Um, he's unfortunately lost us some too. And uh, the second thing I want to say about the defense <laughs> is um, my weekly Mark McKenzie did not start for either team this weekend. Extremely concerning. Like, yeah, to say he and Rail have taken steps back this season um, would be putting it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly a problem for it, next year. It certainly season. should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not at DEFCON 1 yet, but we're approaching 2 with a couple of the homegrowns on this team. And I think. I say that, though, but Aurelian Collin had a really nice game again for the second game in a row. He did. And yeah. I think this is good because we're getting trusty time on the bench for him to think about what he did. Um,. He's been oh yeah, he's definitely a timeout right now. He needs to think about what he did. Yeah. I, I, and he's still young enough that that reference works. After you know? it, after it being another win, I think he spends a third game on the bench. I do too. Why the hell I do not? Too. Now, now, do you get? Now, hold on. Would you trust Trusty or Colin in those Atlanta and LA, LAFC games, though? At this point. If you say you sit out trusty a third game, you and you're athleticism. looking at yeah, the team. I agree. Okay, I think fine. when you're when you're, I, I think when I'm you're okay playing guys like Penny Martinez and Joseph Martinez and um, Carlos Vela, like you need a fast, athletic defender. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. Which is why I think yeah, you're right. A third game on the bench would pretty much seal the deal for him to be like, all right, dude, we need you now. Like this is it. Colin was here to be your safety net, and you've been caught. Get back up and show what you were showing us at the beginning of the year. Because right now, if not, I don't know, man. You could see the Union spending a decent amount of money for two defenders next year if if the team calls for it. One interesting thing is going to be, um, when do we see Brendan Aronson again? In the 80th minute next week. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm com- I'm completely fine with this. I'm just wondering, um, how long he goes without making sub appearances for. 
I mean, I think it. De- so I think you're with a starting lineup. So if if Montiero is healthy enough to start next week, which I'm kind of assuming he is, based off of going 35. Uh, I think you have Craval, who's more defensive. You have Aronson, who's a little bit more offensive. You have Asinio, who's a little more offensive. So I think you're... I mean, I think then basically it becomes on what's happening in the game. And it's like, if we're up in the game, then I think you see Craval. If we're down in the game, then I think you see Aronson. But I think it's yeah. going to be a while before he yeah, starts I again. Mean, I think so, too. I mean, I think, you know, you'll be able to... Later in the season, when it becomes clear that we're really just fighting to secure home field... So, here's, when, the here's pl- when it'll start again. San Jose. <laughs> Maybe. All right. It's the only midweek game left. Was that? Five, ga- five games away? Six? Six. Six. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Because I, I, mean, I just can't that, see. That's what Brendan should have been Marco doing this whole season. <laughs> doing Red Bulls, San Jose, Columbus. Away, away, away. No. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be tired. Yeah. Definitely. But that's fine. That's what Brendan should have been doing all season, I mean, though. Yeah. You know? Like, he was never going to be expected to be the world beater at 18, Medford Messi. You know, he was always going to grow into that role. He's a first-team player like like Fontana. You know, we've been seeing consistency out of him with the minutes given. Maybe, you know, he takes that leap when he gets a little bit older. And it's either you become a first-team talent that's a first name on the team sheet, or you get sold for three times your worth, and we're all super proud of you. It sucks that with the full-strength team, Fontana can't even make the bench. I know, and he's, he's shown that he deserves time, but it can't be on this team right now. I mean, now. I would have no problem if your bench alternates every week between Aronson and Fontana as long as the person not on the bench is starting in Bethlehem. Yeah, that's the thing. I think yeah. just with the amount of minutes that Arrington has played, it's better for him to sit on the bench and do nothing while Fontana starts in Bethlehem. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. That's, probably that's true. fair. You're probably right about that. Yeah, I tend to agree. If the season had played out where Fabian was fully healthy and they were able to figure out that midfield rotation a little quicker, then I'd be saying 50-50. But I think Aronson has... He deserves some rest, and I think Fontana needs to just continue to grow into being a rotational guy that can be called on every three games or so. Yeah, you're correct. I don't think it's a ceiling, but this season, that's kind of what it has to be. Correct. All right. Thanks. That's like the first time ever I... (laughs) Correct. Listen, I'm not I'm not down on you. <laughs> I'm not down on you. Alright, uh You're very occasionally correct. <laughs> uh so That's my be- that's my best friend, people. <laughs> I love this guy. Uh so that's about it about the game. I mean I think we kind of summed it up. I mean it wasn't 
a great game by the Union, but they won the game, which is very different from every other year when they don't have great games. They seem to lose the game by a lot. So I will take it. I will take it and run. Uh, but before we run away from this game completely, I think we need to at least say something about what happened in the stands this weekend. Holy crap. Um, I don't think I've ever seen as many videos coming out on Twitter after the game. And secondly, watching on TV, that stadium was pumping more than I've ever heard it on TV before. <laughs> yeah, it, it was brought atten- it was brought to attention by my mom. Really? Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was in the kitchen, I was making myself a drink, and she's going, That's a lot of people standing up. I was like, what the hell is she talking about? I was like, it's probably a shot of the sons of Ben. And I'm watching a pan out view of the entire like river end of the stadium. Like including the middle sections as well. Like over six or seven thousand people. And I'm like, I'm not watching the same game. This is, and then I zoom again, I'm seeing union shirts. It's unbelievable. I could not believe how many people were involved in that. And it's like in every section, there was at least a few people getting involved too. That's the level that that's the level this fan base can be at with proper cooperation and a winning mentality. You're seeing that not only is the team getting better, but the home field advantage of Talent Energy Stadium is growing by the game, especially if it's like that. And I. I set the bar even higher. I think it could be the whole stadium. I genuinely do. I mean, it was just crazy for me, like, just watching on TV. I think I saw those same shots, and I just, I mean, I thought that, I mean, that's just crazy, one. Two, I mean, early in the day, I'd watch Spurs, and and, and uh, towards the end of the game there, uh the announcers finally just shut up and like for a good two minutes on NBC just said like we're gonna let the you know the Spurs fans serenade you and I was like when that chance going on in the in you know talent I was like JP Tommy just shut up just like let this game play yeah unfortunately <laughs> that's just not an American soccer yeah, it's thing like, just let this game play for like a minute and just like listen <laughs> to what's happening in the stands I thought um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really incredible. Um, and, it, and I think just probably the most incredible thing about just that happening is just the Twitter conversation that's now happening. They're like, oh, if we work together, if we like cooperate, if we try to do things um, for the team rather than maybe for ourselves or our own supporters group, it seems like um, that conversation has now started that like look what can happen if we kind of set aside our differences for the team for 90 minutes every weekend you know um, and I think that's what's really cool is now that that conversation has sort of started it seems like and it is about time <laughs> you're seeing that these independent groups like the Keystone Ultras and you've got the cor- the uh, corner creepers uh, not entirely sure uh, 
there's a couple other ones as well, but you're seeing that if they present something that works and it's good, go with it. Run with it. You're all there for the same purpose. You're all there to see the Philadelphia Union win, and you're all there to make it a good time and a fun time. And you see a lot of a lot of Sons of Ben members are saying, dude, that was all Keystone Ultras, man. Like, they started that. It was catchy. Then we all started singing it in our section. And then the whole stadium just erupted with it. It's like, it's got to be cooperative. You know, it can't be, you know, Gangs of New York style things <laughs> where everyone's working for their own personal gain. Like, your brand is cool, we get it, you're original, you're fun, you have a different message. That's super. But when it comes time for you to be in the stadium and root for this team, just go along with it, if it's good. You know? It's like, what do you you care if someone has a better chant than you, if the Union are winning all these games and going farther into their season in first place? Don't be petty. Be excited that your team is good and that you're having damn fun doing it and you don't have to put in all the work to come up with these creative ideas because other people are doing it for you. Right. And that the it, whole stadium it, it's, yeah. is doing it with you. Like, so cool. Exactly. If you're getting the casuals to go along with it, which is a good portion of your stadium size, you're doing something right. And if you can come up with a routine... That goes from minute one into the deep dying minutes of the game. Everyone's having a super time. Everyone's having fun. And the intensity is always going to be there. That's something the team itself can rally behind. When they know that all their fans genuinely give a crap about what's going on in the field. And they're letting them know it too. I've never seen an entire stadium do a chant that wasn't defense or just (laughs) doing the wave together both of which are awful in their own ways so um even though it's a something as simple as the macarena having just about all of talent energy stadium up doing it is a damn impressive thing and also a reason why sometimes the most effective chants are the simplest and they weren't even just chanting they were dancing too man like there was also the visual there was the visual aesthetic too (laughs) like you're watching people in unity like for one single cause it's beautiful this is oh i mean so this is what humanity is all about. I'll give you. Boys. I'll give you two Ugh. exceptions to that, Chuck. Um, one being several years ago, and I think it sort of died out. But RSL had their "If You Believe" chant. Um, that I saw the videos from. Oh God! Oh God! I I you're reminding me of I believe, no, no. and that's no, no. just I I know it's yeah. different, but that's another heinous. No, chant. no. I well, that one is. You're right, but the if you the RSL chant is awesome um and then and then my other one would be atlanta's we ready but that's not original that's just 
them they took a chant and made yeah. it their own but they had their entire stadium doing it so is an exception to what you said but not a great one anyway boys I don't know. I think I think Philly's in the lead right now when it comes to original contagious chance. That's pretty pretty fun. Anything else, boys? We need to talk about about the first place Philadelphia Union. I'll say it again. First place. Uh, Philadelphia. Um, what is it? They're a good soccer team. Oh. Um, I don't know. I I don't think I had mentioned that yet on the podcast. So I just wanted to clear it up. Philly's a good soccer team. They're going um, away to Chicago in a game that they can, if they, theoretically they can win ugly again. Yeah. Yep. It's not, it's, hey, they're going to compete in every game for the rest of the season. And I do say the, the every game for the rest of the season, well, if they're going in with a healthy lineup. Luckily, Chicago's going to Portland on Wednesday. Woohoo! MLS scheduling. <laughs> Thank you again. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for the help. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty great. Yep. I mean, this is obviously a game that we have a chance to win, and we have a chance to, um, you know, win ugly, like you said. So, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not concerned about this game. I think if we go in with a little, just a little bit of determination, I think we can win this game. Yeah, and they also have the flexibility that they can be a little aggressive with them and not get beat too bad over the top if they get punished for their mistakes, you know. There will be some chances for Chicago, but I kind of feel as though we'll see a very similar type of build-up that Philly showed against Houston. And I think it'll kind of be one of those ones where you have a few moments where you're holding your chest, but think Philly's going to be able to at least pull it out by a couple goals and really those that game I mean sets up well for your next four games right and then you've got to you have kind of the the gauntlet for the next four and then that'll tell you what you're playing for in those last three games um with San Jose and Mm -hmm. Columbus and New York City so I think I mean I think it really depends on I'm still including San Jose in the gauntlet uh, it's there so it's hard you kind of have to yeah, it's there. I, I wish I could say that's the coach of the year battle, but Almeida's won it hands down at this point. Yeah, you've got three. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know, if, dude. If, if Almeida if doesn't Philly win, finishes... Bob Bradley's winning it. No, dude. I, I I think if Philly finishes top two in the East, I. I think Curtin's up there, man. I think I he's really up there. Do. I just don't think yeah. he wins it because Philadelphia there, players winning don't. It are two very different Philadelphia things. players don't get anything. I, I think Jim Curtin's. I mean, Jim Curtin's top three in the voting, no matter what. At this yeah. point, Philadelphia just doesn't like. I mean, we saw it with the All Star Game. You see it just kind of across the board, like those kind of voting things. Like Philadelphia just doesn't get the recognition that they necessarily deserve. So, I'm not concerned if he doesn't get it because I feel like that's just the nature of I wonder if Shabilko's eligible for comeback player of the year ooh interesting because if he is he, he actually has a play. shot at winning it he did play a few games last season and, and yeah and now he's a double digit goal scorer in August I mean. you're right maybe 
including missing a howler of a penalty, and he's still a double-digit goal scorer. We don't want to talk about that penalty. No. Montero is yeah, the no, penalty it, taker. It'll be the, only, it'll be the only one we ever have to talk about because he's never allowed to take penalties again. <laughs> but I but I do until love we, Casper. He's doing until wonderful. we have to win the MLS Cup with Casper Shabilko at the spot. Oh my god, don't, I don't want to talk about MLS. I think Ray Gattis would take a penalty penalties. before he takes a penalty again. Oh man. Could you oh imagine? Ray Gattis is standing there at the spot with the game, <laughs> with the MLS Cup on the line. I'll tell you, my brand will either thrive or die on the spot. <laughs> because I will I will sum up Ray Gattis' entire MLS career to one kick if it is in a game that means that much. Oh man, I really fine. will. All right, it deserves That's, to be okay. That this is a long way away and probably a non-starter of a conversation. So we can <laughs> leave it. We can Nonsense. leave it there. Entertain. Leave it there because we brought it up. We shall speak it into existence. <laughs> oh, great, Paul! Great thought. Why don't you just take it, crumble it up, and just toss yes, it out please. the window? <laughs> Okay, it's gone. All right, guys. Well, eight games left in the season. The Union are still sitting in first place, which is, I'm going to keep saying it. But, uh, yeah, we will talk to you next week after we play and hopefully beat Chicago. Later. We didn't do a Golden Pinsesa. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to another episode of Views from the Bridge, a Philadelphia Union podcast. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We are a proud part of the Beautiful Game Network. BGN is a network of soccer podcasts, writing, and other great content. Go check them out at bgn.fn. You can find us on social media at VFTBpod on both Twitter and Facebook. Go check us out there, leave us a note, and ask questions. That is at VFTBpod on both Twitter and Facebook. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe to the show, and please leave us a review. For the Views from the Bridge podcast, Eva Valella, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft. Later. Later.